What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I am your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Co-host Wes Goldberg joining me in just a minute. We got another good one for you today. Dubs getting ready to take on the San Antonio Spurs. But first, there's been a lot of roster movement for the Warriors. It's a season full of roster movement. Alan Smilegeach makes his NBA debut. Jordan Poole makes his G League debut. And then who is going to be moved at or before the deadline? Who is going to be moved to give roster spots to Kai Bowman and Damian Lee? It's something we've talked about verbatim, but we got to continue to talk about it because there's a lot of options, a lot of options out there, a lot of moves to be made. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. What is good? Dubs taking on the Spurs tonight. Should be a good one. Uh, you know, again, the Spurs still scare me because they're still the Spurs. They've made the playoffs, uh, I think, a thousand years in a row. Greg Popovich is uh, timeless. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid. But first, Alan Smilegeach, NBA debut. Some positives, some negatives. He's 19. Plenty of time to develop. Jordan Poole, Santa Cruz, playing great. What has changed for him to play well when he's missing open shots in the NBA, knocking down contested threes in the G League? I don't know. I don't get it. What moves are going to be made before or at the deadline for the Warriors? We talk about all that in just a minute. But first, we talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. That's right. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and it is teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of mental fitness. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mine. If you head to calm.com slash locked on, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain or leaves, and so much more like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. I know that's a tough one, so here it is. That's calm, C-A-L-M dot com, C-O-M slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Wes, you are in San Antonio preparing for tonight's game against the Spurs who, uh, you know what, no matter what, they're still the Spurs to me, and I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but, you know, we'll get into uh, their dominance in just a minute. I want to talk to you about there's been some movement on the roster recently where we saw a guy like Alan Smilegeach make his NBA debut. We see a guy like Jordan Poole get sent down to Santa Cruz and play pretty well. I guess we'll start with Smilegeach, who we've seen get a couple NBA minutes here and there, and look fine you know look competent he looks look in his short amount of time as a 19 year old in the nba and his you know however many minutes he's gotten looks better than say jordan Poole in the the same amount of minutes he got 
So, I mean, well, what, what did you see in uh, Smiley Geach's, I'll just call him Smiley from now on, Smiley's uh, <laughs> NBA debut? Uh, mixed results, I think. Um, you know, there's, he had moments, right, where um, he was able to put the ball on the floor and, and kind of dribble and attack and, and kind of show off those ball skills that have been so enticing to so many Warriors fans just waiting for him to make that NBA debut, and he was able to do it. He's able to do it confidently, which is what you want to see from a 19-year-old is that he is confident and uh, willing to kind of try to make his, you know, imprint on a, on a basketball game, which a lot of times, you know, 19-year-olds are very passive in those situations. He's not, uh, not at all. And so you saw some of that. You saw some of the offensive rebounding that the, that the Warriors like from him. Uh, his, like, go-to move is to just get an offensive rebound you know, kind of screen off, like face face the baseline under the basket, screen off his defender with his butt, and then just like put the ball up off the glass and score that way. Like that's his go-to move right now, which is kind of fun um, because it's kind of like this old school bruising style of basketball. So that's been cool. But and then defensively though, um, and he, they've played him mostly at power forward in his NBA minutes. He mostly plays center at the G League level. So I think there was a little bit of an adjustment there. But you know he got he got pulled out in his debut against Phoenix when he gave up um, a wide open three pointer to Cameron Johnson that he just got he just wasn't paying attention and he got screened off by Frank Kaminsky and he just gave up a wide open three in the corner to a forty percent three point shooter you can't do that um, and so he didn't play again for the rest of the game because the Warriors had a chance to win that game and then he played I think ten minutes in his next uh, game didn't score as many points but was a little bit more sound defensively um, and so he's learning and the thing that you know his teammates keep saying is that he asks so many questions and he is so quick to get coached and then sort of make those adjustments. And Draymond Green in particular couldn't stop raving about him. And he mm-hmm. knows that like Draymond Green doesn't hand out those compliments like Willie Millie, right? Like if he says something like that, he means it. And so for him to say that, like I think what the Warriors basically have is a very high basketball IQ player. Not only is he trying to learn the game of basketball at the NBA level right now, but he's also trying to learn English at the same time. I mean, that just speaks <laughs> to how smart this guy really is, um, not just from a basketball IQ standpoint, but just, he seems like a, just a smart dude. I think the Warriors really found something with him. Yeah, not to mention, you know, um, IQ, all the basketball stuff also, but, you know, talking about his attitude, that's something that Draymond yeah. loves too, is a guy who, 19, whatever age, but, you know, the fact that he's a 19-year-old and is basically saying, you know, F you, check ball, like, that's the stuff that Draymond Green yeah. has, is someone who is just oh, yeah. ready to go at anyone, and uh, you see that immediately. I mean, we saw it after he was drafted. He was talking about, I'm ready to play in the NBA right now. And you saw it in those two NBA games that he played, and then I went to Santa Cruz on Sunday uh, to watch him and Jordan Poole, um, and, and he gets in this game, and it's like the third or fourth quarter, uh, the game's already gone. The game, it was like Santa Cruz lost by like 20 or 15 mm-hmm. or something. The game was over by like halftime. And he gets in there in the second half, and he's literally just bulldozing dozing dudes, like stiff-arming them. And there was a, a specific series where he grabs an offensive rebound, like lays it up or dunks over uh, one of the uh, Texas Legends players, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, G League mm-hmm. affiliate, dunks over him, and then just stares him down <laughs> for several seconds. Like, like several beats, like not just to stare down and walk away, stares him down, doesn't move. And the guy like just doesn't even know what to do. The guy on the ledge has no idea what to do. And he just runs back down to the other court. Smiley just follows him and keeps staring at him, goes down to the other court, guards him. I think blocks his shot or, or alters his shot on the very next possession and just stares the same dude down again. And I'm just sitting there in the stands laughing. I couldn't believe what I was saying. I mean, this yeah. guy 
like I don't know what kind of trash talk was going on before that happened, but Smiley, basically what something he said was like, I've got your number, I'm going to let you know it. And this guy just like, was in shock. Like he didn't know what to do. And you just, you love to see that. It's, it's, it's incredible. That's a Draymond Green type player, or at least yeah. the type that he loves, if, if there is any. I mean, and the fact, too, something that gets overlooked a lot with rookies and young players is like, just because they're getting drafted doesn't mean they're physically ready to go up against grown men. Like, we overlook the fact that these guys are still, a lot of these guys are still teenagers, still growing into their, you know, fully grown bodies. And the fact that he's able to hold up in the G League, even. Yeah. Uh, even before, even last year when he was 18 and, uh, you know, ineligible to, to uh, go to the NBA is such a testament to just what he can be. I think, like, no one knows what the future holds for him, but there are just a lot of good signs for what uh, Smiley can be eventually. Who knows how long it takes, how much, you know, seasoning he needs, but there's a lot of great signs for uh, for him and for the Warriors, I think. And I think you look at, like, the fact that he got – like the number 39 in the second round people might question what his ceiling is but somebody put it to me this way on sunday smiley keeps never wanted to play in college it's not going to happen mm-hmm. okay so he was always just going to go pro whether it be overseas somewhere like it, you know his local you know home of serbia if it was just one of those leagues or if it was eventually the nba but he was never going to play collegiate basketball and he's 19 years old he would be a freshman in college right now <sighs> you imagine him Doing what he's doing right now, let's say the Pac-12 or the ACC or something like that, like he would be a lottery pick next year, right? <laughs> like he would be in the top. Like he just would be. Like if he, if this 19-year-old were in a Big Five conference, like he just, he would be on the, he would be in the top 10, probably the top seven or eight of every draft board that you're looking at right now. And the Warriors got that kind of player again at 19 years old at number 39, who is just really coming into his own body. It's, I, I. I I wouldn't question his ceiling. I'm not going to say that he's the next Nikola Jokic, but he could probably be like, you know, Kelly Olynyk on steroids, uh, Nikola Kusevich, <laughs> like one of these guys. Like, I think that's a really useful player. Yeah, no question. And, you know, eventually the, the book will be written on how the Warriors basically scouted him and did their best to, uh, you know, what some NBA circles think, tried to hide him and whatever. But the bottom line is the, the Warriors got their guy they wanted, and we'll see how it works out for him. Uh, another guy that they wanted, I guess, because they took him in the first round is Jordan Poole, who got sent down to Santa Cruz this last weekend. And I don't get it, but had two pretty damn good games, especially the second one where he put up 31 points, was 5 of 10 from yeah. 3, uh, 11 to 23 from the field. And I just – the reason why I say I don't get it is because he was getting open looks in the NBA and missing those, getting contested three-pointers to fall in the G League – um, it's a great sign for the Warriors just to show that he has that ability. But I, I just don't – it must be a mental thing where you're on the grandest stage playing for the Golden State Warriors compared to, you know, playing in front of a, a packed Santa Cruz house, which is a really cool environment, but definitely different than playing, uh, you know, at the Chase Center, I guess. I, I mean, you were there, so you, you can speak to it more than, than anyone. Well, what did you see in, in that game? Well, what we're talking about was kind of I, – I went down there with what's kind of – a few things that I wanted to be talking to people about, but the Jordan Poole thing was one of the things I definitely wanted to monitor and talk to people about. And I was there for his second game. It was after the Stockton game. And he played well in the Stockton game. Mm-hmm. And I was asking a few people, 
I was like, what? Like, why? This is basically what we're talking about right now. Like, what, what's the deal? He couldn't do this in the NBA. I came up with some theories. And I was talking to some of the coaches and stuff. And I was like, is it because of the speed of the game at the NBA? Is it just like guys are bigger and faster and closing out stronger? Is that what's going on? And he's like, I, he's like, he was making shots in the preseason. So I don't think that that's really it. And I was like, that's a really good point. Um, you know, and it's just, I think it's mental. I think you nailed it. I just, and, and look, Steve Kerr has basically said it as much. I mean, when you're a shooter, so much of it is mental. I and mean, if you're on a slump, like it could break you. I mean, look at Ben McLemore. Like he was hmm. broken as a rookie. It took him like seven years to get unbroken. He's just yeah. now kind of reemerging with the Houston Rockets. Um, like it could, it could really, you could get broken really fast at the NBA level if you're not ready for it. And the intent was always for him to sort of get groomed in the G League because I think they noticed that, you know, as entering the league as a 19 year old, now he's 20, he was sort of at that same stage as Alan Smiley each, but um, they had to play him because they had no guards. So I think, you know, getting out of the chase center, right. Getting, you know, instead of playing like James Harden and Russell Westbrook and LeBron <laughs> James, and all these guys, he gets to go play like anonymous player on the Texas legends. Yeah. Kyle, Guy. <laughs> he's going to go Kyle guy. Exactly. And like, that's not as, that's not as scary, right? I just, I think objectively speaking. So I think that I think it just it, it's that it's a smaller arena. Uh, you know, you talk to a lot of shooters. Sometimes just big arenas are really hard to shoot in. I know he went to Michigan, but he went to Michigan for a year, and his shooting percentages weren't all that great in Michigan anyway. Uh, so you just get into a smaller arena, more compact type of environment, uh, a, a lot less pressure where the wins and losses don't really matter as much. Um, and so uh, I think it's been I think it's been helpful for him overall, and just getting that confidence back. Like everybody always talks about how confident he is, but like actually having like the percentages now to back it up will only help him, and uh, hopefully just make sure he doesn't become a broken player. Yeah, for sure. And uh, to me, the the best uh, part of these first two games, especially the last one, is five of ten from three. Because to me, you know, the most important thing in today's NBA, as especially as you know, a scoring role player, because that's basically what his ceiling is, is that three-point shot. So the fact that it's just not completely broken, at least yet, <laughs> uh, is is a good sign. Um, for Can me, say one more thing about Jordan Poole? Yeah, please. I think he's actually a real – I think he's a better passer than he is a shooter. Mm. And he's made some next-level reads. And I was talking to a couple different coaches, and they've they, – they, said this as well and it's something that i've been noticing and we were sort of talking about it for at his age and at 20 years old with barely any nba experience and this this also kind of went counter to my speed of the game argument in regards to his shooting is he will see things develop at a at a genius level like at a level that you would expect like lebron or james Harden or these guys i'm not calling him that as a passer no. but like these guys who just consistently do it he flashes that and if you flash that when you flash that specific basketball feel thing, that means you have it. If you flash it enough times, and I'm convinced he has it, but that, that next level, like anticipatory kind of gene where you could see the play develop and you just kind of, you need to feel for it. I mean, Luka Doncic is like, he's like mm-hmm. you know, the, the great A example of this just walks into the NBA, just knows exactly what he's doing from a feel standpoint. Like, again, not to overhype Jordan Poole, but he has that one little thing that I think is going to make him a really interesting player eventually at the NBA level is, not only is he going to eventually be able to shoot the ball consistently, hopefully, but if he's able to combine that with this sort of next-level playmaking basketball field thing, now we're looking at somebody who can sort of carry the torch for that Tom Livingston, that Andre Iguodala type of player who's not just 
you know, has one elite skill, but is just an elite basketball feel, high IQ guy. Uh, I just think that that is something to monitor. And I think that eventually it's like we're looking at him as maybe like this three and D shooter type guy. I think he's going to be more of an offensive weapon or he's more of a ball handler than I think a lot of people expected right away. Well, I mean, during the preseason before uh, Kai Bowman, you know, broke out for the Warriors and Jacob Evans was the talk of potentially being a backup point guard. I I was with you because of Jordan Poole's passing. I thought like, you know, maybe he'd get a shot as the backup point. And obviously that's way down the road. He's got so much more to work on, but also in these Santa Cruz games, that's another thing I saw was the, the passing, but it kind of manifested itself to me as like, he's getting some of his swag back, like that, uh, that yeah. fast break behind the back, uh, the, the, the one handed cross the court, you know, pass to, to an open yep. guy on the wing, like all that stuff that we didn't see before that he was a little too scared to do in the NBA, like that you saw him do in college or seeing flashes of now. So I'm with you. Like I, his, he's got some, some serious, uh, I don't know if IQ, but yeah, the anticipatory, like you said, man, he, he just, he it's, sees it's, the game well, especially with the ball in his hands. Um, it's basketball feel. It's basketball. And I actually last one. There's, there's one player I remember uh, weeks and weeks ago when he was really, really struggling. I think it was, it was before the Miami debacle, uh, the post con, the post game press conference after he scored 20 points. But yeah, um, I went up to him because he had seen on the move running in a, in a pick and roll situation. Um, you know, he saw the defense crashing, saw one of his, one of the opponent players sliding away from the guy in the corner and just got it there at the perfect time on the move with one hand. It was like this one-handed whip pass, like a start to, to a teammate in the corner. I went up to him after the game. I was like, that was a really nice pass that you made. And, and he didn't even ask which one. He didn't ask, like, <laughs> what do you mean? He just like, oh, the one from the corner when this guy did that and this guy did this. And I was like, yeah, that one. He's like, thanks. Like, it's <laughs> It's something he notices and it's something that he thinks about and it's something that he takes pride in is what I'm trying to say. You know, yeah. so that means I think he believes too that it's a part of this game. Yeah, and you can see it. I mean, when, when he's confident and he's doing it, you can see it. It's there. So it'll be interesting to see uh, him continue to play down in the G League. And if he continues to play, you know, great and put up 30-point games, I mean, I know they said it's an indefinite stay, but we'll, we'll see how long it lasts uh, as long as he's playing well down there. I got some more questions I wanted to ask you, Wes, especially in a season of – roster moves and the Warriors I don't know if they broke news but you know they've been talking about the uh the reality of the fact that there's going to be some more roster moves coming and uh, I want to ask you about that in just a minute Wes the Warriors as I said are in a season of basically roster movement a lot of one-year contracts that they signed thinking they'd be attractive trade pieces as well uh, or hopefully find some some good players like Glenn Robinson uh, Marquise Chris etc but they also came out and said that, well, not specifically came out and said, but uh, through reports that they would be willing to make trades that basically everyone's on the table. As long as the offer's right, you, you can be dealt. Uh, I think that's excluding Steph, Clay, Draymond, and you know maybe D'Angelo Russell to the end of the year. But basically the main one that came up was Alec Burks is going to be most likely the first player to be dealt. He's the most attractive to... Uh, playoff teams and probably the most useful to the Warriors this year, but then you question maybe his fit moving forward with the rest of the guys coming back. So my first question to you is, assuming Alec Burks is the first guy traded, who do you think is going to be the second player traded from the Warriors to either open up a second roster spot for Kai Bowman or just because they got some nice assets in return? Yeah, that's assuming that there will be a second guy. I'm not quite convinced there. 
Um, I know a lot of people have talked about, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein. Uh, I think he's here for at least another year. I don't see them trading him um, in this moment. I just think he's got such a novel skill set and just sort of physical body that otherwise doesn't exist on this roster on a, on a really nice value contract. I just mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're ready to move him just for the sake of moving him. Um, and they wouldn't get any sort of offer that would deem worthy of moving him at this point. So uh, I, I would scratch him off. Glenn Robinson on a minimum contract can be moved to any other team given that that team wants that play, wants Glenn Robinson in order to make room for a guy like Kai Bowman or Damian Lee. Again, as we've talked about several times, I think Glenn is a long-term piece, not not a trade asset here. I think they they view him as, a, a you know, maybe an 8, 9, or 10th guy for next season, which would be really valuable. Yeah, I think he's there to, to stay. Willing to and, risk and, him maybe signing somewhere else this offseason because he would fit so well. They're they're willing to, to take that risk, I think, uh, when it comes to Glenn Robinson. I agree. Uh, there's an understanding between both organization and player there that if they want him back, he will be back. It's like, like they can't they can't offer him the better minimum again, but they could probably offer him pretty close to it. I don't anticipate that to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, Alec Burks is the guy we're talking about. That I think it's it's I I, w- I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a given that he's going to get moved, but I would probably say that the chances are really really high. And uh, with that roster spot, they promote Damian Lee to the 15 man roster. Um, and then beyond that, it might just be a situation where you say, you know what, maybe we've seen enough of Jacob Evans. Um, yep. I could see something like that, but I, I don't know that Jacob Evans has much value. Like these other guys that like the other guys that we haven't talked about yet, plus Jacob Evans, like how much value do they really have? Uh, I think for Alec Burks, you could realistically get a second round pick back for him. I think that's what we see. We're seeing the value of a bench score and an expiring contract. But that's kind of what it is, a, a mm-hmm. second round pick. Uh, you might actually have to take that second round pick and package it with a guy like Jacob Evans. So you might not ever see that second round pick if you're the Warriors. So you could just sort of take it, flip it with with a guy like Jacob Evans to just move off of that contract. And so you, could, you know the opposing team would basically be buying a second round pick at the expense of Jacob Evans's contract. Maybe something like that. But otherwise, I don't I don't think that the the Warriors have much of a motivation to make several. I don't think they're going to flip this thing over. And there's a you know there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to lose if you kind of make those those moves midseason. If you sort of if you start kind of churning the bottom of this roster, you do risk uh, damaging the morale that you've built and kind of the the good vibes that you've been able to build despite all the losing. If you start kind of churning over the bottom of this roster, it could have some adverse effects. Well, you mentioned Jacob Evans. The other one I wonder who uh, you know we've both been high on, but uh, I know he's been under the weather recently. But also his playing time has gone down. Maybe Amari Spellman. Um, but again, I agree with you. Uh, earlier in the year, it looked like there could be a bunch of moves. Looks like there might only be one, really, uh, that could happen, you know, before the trade deadline. So that'll be interesting to see just because that affects Kai Bowman and Damian Lee. Uh, one more question I wanted yeah. to ask just because, you know, I've been vocal about it, how impressed I've been with Marquise Chris. And I don't know if he's playing the exact role uh, that Jordan Bell might have played, but is he basically what they wanted Jordan Bell to be? You know, is Marquise Chris basically doing the hmm. things that they wanted Jordan Bell to do that he just couldn't couldn't do? I, I think that's actually a really good um, that's a really good comparison there. Uh, yeah, if you think about the fact that both of those guys are uber athletic. I mean, Jordan Poole, uh, Jordan Bell was arguably one of the most athletic players on the roster, given the fact that he like, couldn't do any, really anything. <laughs> but Marquise Chris is a rebounder that Jordan Poole never was. I mean, remember that game at Oregon where he basically lost that, that was it a Sweet 16 game or a Final Four, mm-hmm. a Lead 8 game or something because um, you just couldn't grab two rebounds. 
and yeah. and that's basically what like that performance like dropped him from the a first round pick like a sure first round pick to the second round where the Warriors eventually got him uh and I just think that that lack of like despite the athleticism he's got like a lack of physicality to his game he's kind of a finesse player but a finesse player who can't really shoot or space the floor or do really anything that a finesse player ought to do and I think for Marquise Chris the beginning of his career kind of played out like that too he was trying to become a floor spacer in Phoenix and Cleveland and Houston. Uh, he wasn't really using his athleticism, but rather just kind of being a standstill shooter. And in, in, in Golden State this season, he's flipped that. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to take threes. He's taking, I think, uh, three fewer three-pointers per game or something like that. Like, he's not taking them hardly at all, but still managing the space before because he's such a good uh, passer out of those triple handoffs and and – you know, setting those high screens and doing things like that. And I think that still has a four spacing element to it. And then he's crashing the boards, he's using athleticism to just go up and get dunks and being a strong role man and stuff like that. I think he's a lot more athletic than Jordan Bell was and he's got a much better, you know, physical uh, skill set than, than Jordan Bell did. But uh, I think that was a spot on comparison there. It's like Marquise Chris is the ideal version of what Jordan Bell probably wants to do. And I don't, I'm not sold that he will get there the way Marquise Chris did. Yeah, and, you know, on top of that, there was a piece that came out recently just about uh, Marquise Chris, you know, getting the wake-up call. Uh, he's taking it a lot more serious, doing, you know, his film study a lot uh, more diligently, yeah. all that stuff. And, you know, who knows whether that will happen for Jordan Bell or not. But, yeah, I, I think he's – I mean, it, when you get a guy on a non-guaranteed contract in training camp and he turns out to contribute the way Marquise Chris has, it's it's a pretty damn good deal. I mean, we got – You could – yeah. Go ahead. I mean, you could say that for so much of this roster, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 they, they've got a lot, they got a lot of wins so far this season. For sure. Agreed. We got the Spurs tonight. Uh, you know, we will have a breakdown eventually, but, you know, it is New Year's Eve. So, uh, it'll, we'll, we'll get it to you when we get it to you. You know, maybe we'll all do it together. Maybe we'll all listen to it hungover tomorrow. But, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.